Hey guys, Warren Sharp here, and I want to drop an outstanding deal right into your lap, and that is 30% off anything at the website with the coupon code GET30, G-E-T-3-0. And it's a huge week for us this week because this is the first week heading into week three that we release NFL computer totals. These things went 23 and 5 last year, 61.8% lifetime over 15 years of doing this. This is what we started the website for. Rich's fantasy analysis and worksheet is absolutely unparalleled. And you get that too if you purchase the all access package. I highly recommend you run over to the website right now. Take advantage of this 30% off deal because it will end Sunday. Use the coupon code GET30, 30% off anything. Lots of betting picks already released right now, including multiple computer totals and we're going to be dropping these things every week from here on out the rest of the season hello welcome to sharp angles podcast i'm dan pizzuta joined here by rich rebar rich here we are settling in week three kind of starting to to figure out some things right we know some things are real some things we're, we're still it's still only two games but uh as we sit here i've uh, got a couple games gonna break down a couple more how are we doing today Doing great. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to starting to build up that sample size, right? That's what we're always looking for. And, you know, week three is always kind of a, you know, really fun week because, you know, typically it's still so early that we have some teams that maybe started off 2-0. and Maybe they got lucky. They're typically a little, maybe a little overvalued. Some teams that are 0-2 may be a little undervalued. Uh, so, yeah, this is kind of like a real nice, like, turning point of the season here. Like, the first, we're getting like that first quarter, approaching that first quarter turn. Yeah, and that's just kind of what we want to see some, some more football to see uh, what these teams really are because we come in with our with our priors and it's kind of funny like if you look at like a, a football outsiders who have like dvoa after two weeks but then they still have their dave projections which has like all the preseason mm-hmm. and the the rankings are kind of wi- like wildly different um right because we still have a lot of those so that's kind of like where we are in just kind of looking at what these teams are and having our kind of views of these teams, like the, the you know, the two and O New York giants with a point differential of plus four. Like that's, <laughs> it's impressive. Four and O baby, four and O giants. So it's coming. But. Um, so yeah. So we're just kind of, we're still in, in a wait and see, like we can get excited about some things like, you know, two weeks ago, we were real excited about what the Minnesota Vikings looks like on offense. And then uh, we turn oh, around and yeah. we'll talk about that. Uh, a little bit but yeah so it's just it, it's exciting one of the the good things uh, we don't have to talk about a thursday game here we don't have to rush into that because there's really nothing about uh, steelers browns uh, worth uh really taking time to, to dive into so let's dive into the fun sunday games um <laughs> so we'll start i think the only way where we can start on the sunday game is like there is a clear top game on the schedule and it is bill's dolphins and if again if you had said two weeks ago that this would be like easily the highlight game of week three and like very anticipated not just like d- by default because these are like two good teams like these are two teams that are going to be pretty fun and um man after so after well, we, we talked about it last week. There was, there was some proof of concept with the Dolphins offense, right? Where at least if we saw what, there was just a, enough there that we figured it was going to be able to, if not sustain production, 
like we could see they'd be able to take advantage of some things throughout the season. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter of the game against Baltimore, that just turned up to like 12. And we saw all the proof of concept. So we can, you know, kind of get into whether it was, you know, the offensive structure, whether it was, you know, actually to a, but there has to be some skill involved to throw you know, six touchdown passes. Obviously there were the, <laughs> two, two interceptions, right? So it's, it, we're, we completely, I think, get, get lost in the weeds when you're kind of like trying to, to break down the thing. But the, what like I think we need to look at is like this this offense is going to work right and more often than not uh but what's interesting is go, it's going to go against this Bills defense that has been really good it's a defense that it doesn't need to blitz um it's only rushing for rushing for about 95 percent of the time and still um it is uh, second in pressure rate yeah second in pressure rate um I was looking at that like a, a Forty percent of of dropbacks that are they're creating pressure with only driving four, but two has been pretty good against uh, a four man rush. He's getting the ball out quicker. Um, so uh, just this is going to be a, a real fun piece to to look at here, especially on, on both sides of the ball here. So, uh, what are you looking for in this game? Yeah, you were all over that Ravens Dolphins game. You know, potentially turning into like it was like a college football game. I mean, it was just like yeah, all the athletes, yeah. All the athletes were just making huge plays in that game. That's what the kids on both sides of the ball. That's kind of what happened. Uh, it was absolutely nuts. It was just big play after big play. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, so the Dolphins are just building up this sample. Like you said, like proof of concept is a great way to phrase it because, you know, we had talked about multiple times this offseason. You know, there's the, the, the clip that, you know, people got agitated. It's like the Dolphins are building a Madden roster. Like they've got all these, they just got speed all over the place. And you've seen like how much it's made a difference. I mean, this is a team that, has not been able to generate big plays the previous three years at all. And they would have never been able to punch themselves out of that game last weekend when they're down. Uh, and right. you see, they can score. They can have, you know, two-play drives, one-play drives now. And that wasn't absolutely in their arsenal in any degree the previous, you know, several seasons, but definitely the, the most recent three years when they were relying on Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki to kind of carry this offense. It's going to be interesting to see. This is a big injury report game, too, because yep. the Bills' secondary is pretty banged up. You know, obviously, Dane Jackson had the scary injury on Monday night. Uh, we don't believe that he will play. It is, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, and both Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer did not practice today. Because uh, I believe one of the big reasons the Bills have been playing so much zone and sitting back rushing four is just because they've had to the, the play all these, you know, young defensive backs. Um, and if they have to keep playing, you know, extend these guys out even further, like we're probably going to see a lot more zone, a lot more rushing for uh, this game where they're reliant to get home with four. And they can get home with four on this Dolphins, you know, offensive front too. But it also gives Mike McDaniel a chance to scheme things up when you're, you know, he knows what you're probably going to be in, you know, the whole the whole game. So it, it is it is interesting to see. And then just on the other side, just can anyone slow the Bills down? I mean, you go back to last year, they've scored 27 or more points uh, in every game since week 14 of last year. And the only time the Bills have like been bad the past two years were that Jaguars game where we had like that that huge like cover two diabolic. They scored six points that game. That was just weird. I don't know if it's just an anomaly that we'll ever forever look back on and say, well, we'll just throw that one out. Um, and then all their other bad games offensively in, involve terrible weather. So like, I'm just like, how do you stop the Bills? They look just on a mission. These opening two games – uh, and you feel bad for the Titans have putting those, the, you know, you, you talk about a little bit, they're putting those poor young DBs in such a bind on Monday night against Stephon Diggs. But how do you slow this Bills offense down? And that's the other thing. Like, that's, oh, 
part and part of it is like I'm a little concerned about the Dolphins defense at this point. Like they're not they had a lot of pieces that we kind of like, but mm-hmm. especially in the pressure front, right? They're blitzing almost 35% uh, of dropbacks. That's the seventh highest rate in the league. They have a 17.2% pressure rate, which is second to last. So when you're blitzing that much and you can't get home, like we saw, we talked about it a little bit, like there were some plays against um, the Patriots in week one where they were able to you know, create a free rusher with some of those you know, more exotic looks that they had along the defensive line when you're uh, putting more guys up at the line of scrimmage. But that was really a very small percentage of the plays, and otherwise they weren't really getting a lot of pressure. They barely got any pressure on Lamar Jackson you know, last week. So I'm really concerned Like if you are going to be sending those extra guys, and Josh Allen you know, is he's kind of teeters on the uh, – the no blitz club, right? Because you kind of can get to him a, a little bit and make him force some you know, throws he probably shouldn't make. But right now he's not doing that. And the bills also have this margin for error right now, right? Like they had that, that wheel route um, to Reggie Gilliam in the Titans game. Uh, Josh Allen completely missed it. That it should have been like a, a wide open touchdown. He, he missed the throw. But like two plays later, they score a touchdown. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. They just have this wide open margin for error where they don't even need to be perfect. And they're still going to be really good, uh, especially when you bring in this Josh Allen quick game that they have going on. Right? We, we didn't see against the Titans like what they showed in week one uh, where Allen was throwing like 75% of his dropbacks within two and a half seconds. They can now extend plays a little bit. So they just have all of these different variations now. And it's just an evolution of this offense. And you know, we talk about Gilliam. They're, they're using 21% in 21 personnel right now, uh, which like is drastically different from what they were doing last year. And they can like, they're one of these teams. And, and again, the, the Dolphins are this too. And, and it's kind of fun to see what both of these teams are doing, like with a fullback, because it's not just, you know, running the eye formation, right? It's having these guys either lined up at tight end or going empty with some of these. Um, the one of the long J- uh, Jalen Waddle um, plays against, the Baltimore was where they were like backed up at their goal line near their own goal line, but they were in empty from 21 personnel with Alec Engold as that second uh, tight end. The bills are doing something similar uh, with Reggie Gilliam. So there's all these different looks and how they're manipulating defenses and that something both sides uh, of these offenses are doing really well. And that, that's going to be really fun to see. And yeah, so I, I kind of think the, the coverage should maybe be okay. I think, you know, Xavier Howard, I think, didn't practice um, early in the week, but it doesn't sound like the Dolphins are too concerned there. But if they're not able to get pressure and they're still going to be sending those extra guys, and so you're really leaving uh, these guys, you know, on an island against Stephon Diggs, which we've seen just like, uh, you know, at some point uh, the – the Titans had an undrafted free agent rookie uh, on Stefan Diggs. And like, it's just like, again, you said you, you feel sorry for him uh, because that's just like an impossible place to be. Um, so the Dolphins corners aren't that, but if you were leaving them on a court uh, on an Island like that and not getting home, like that, the bills are just going to take advantage of that, you know, 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, this is, that's what it all comes down to is one of these, because you feels like the Bills right now are in a space where like, you know, when Kansas City beat in the playoffs, like you just have to score 40, right? Like you have to have the ball last and score 40. Uh, and at least the Dolphins now have shown us that like it's, they've at least, and it was one game and they came back, but at least they showed us, right? Like it's a capability. 
uh, of theirs. Yeah, and- so th- I think that was that was the concern, right? You figured this offense you know, when you look at you know the Mike McDaniel and the Mike Shanahan of it all, or the sorry, the Kyle Shanahan of it all combined the two. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at that, like you think, you know, heavy play action is going to be all that. I mean, two is running play action still like a third of his dropbacks, but he's, you know, now leading the league in EPA on dropbacks without play action. So, like, that is part of the offense. Like, they can build part of the offense around that. And that was kind of, you you wondered that. Were they going to have a straight dropback game where they could mm-hmm. play from behind? And, and they can. And when you have guys like Waddle, and Hill on the field at the same time. Like there's just, it, it's impossible to guard them both, right? You, we look at, you know, one of those Tyreek Hill touchdowns was, it was the long blown coverage, right? But when you kind of look back and, and see what was also going on in the play, Jalen Waddle is wide open on a crosser in the middle of the field. So if it wasn't a blown coverage to Hill and there was still like a safety there, like it should have been, there's still a wide open big play available on that exact play. So like, that's why I'm not as concerned because of like some of those blown coverages, why I think a lot of this can still move on throughout the season, because they have multiple options on these plays. And when you look at something like that, if, if Hill was covered on that play and they didn't go deep, there was still a wide open play to Waddle in the middle of the field, which would have been a big play and probably might not have been a touchdown, uh, but still an explosive play. And they just, with those two guys, they're using them so well. There's so many options. And, if the the Bills secondary is not healthy like that I, that could be a problem and that could lead to to a shootout here so how healthy the Bills safeties are because you know, Poyer and Hyde are, are just so good together also like they, they've played together for so long um the, the communication between the two how they're able to you know play too high they were the best team against uh, deep passes last year uh, like 20 percent of passes were completed against them 20 more air yards you know, when you look at that, it, if even one of them's out, I think that's that's a concern. Um, so you hope both can play. Uh, if you're the Bills, you hope they're near a hundred percent because if they're not, that's when it gets it's going to get a little shaky. Yeah, those two guys have been so good the past two years and longer in their careers, but they cover so much ground and make up for so much, uh, you know, over the top. But then you have two guys like Tyreek and Waddle, like you kind of talk about, like, it's not that these guys are just fast, like they're actual good receivers. Like yes. They do a lot. Like you see, like Waddle had the, you know, obviously ever highlighted the stick nod play that he had, you know, at the down, like back up against their end zone. Well, obviously we've known Tyreek has been versatile for multiple years, but like, yeah, Tua has to really feel like there, there's probably gonna be a growing confidence there. Cause he has to feel a little bit like he's back, back in Alabama right now. Yeah, a little bit. And that's kind of, that was, that was the point, right? Yep. Like you're like, oh, two is, we've only seen success when two is throwing to these like superstar wide receivers who are so much better than who they're playing. It's what he's got now. Right. right? So like, <laughs> we don't have to get super far into, you know, whether Tua is the reason for this and what this is going to mean for his long term. Like we have plenty of time to uh, debate that as the season goes along, but right now this offense is working. Um, and, and even if, it doesn't work against the Bills, right? If the Bills defense is as good as it has been and the Dolphins don't score 40, that's not a referendum on this offense and Tua. So like it's the one week in week three against the best team in the league. So if it doesn't work, let's slow down any like panic meter we have for how this is going to work throughout the season uh, because we've already seen like it, it can't. 
Um, so I think we'll just, you know, throw that out there before, you know, the Bills score 45 uh, and, you know, it's like a 45-28 game or, or something yeah. like that. And also on the other side, like I've seen a lot of excuse making for the Ravens secondary. The, the Ravens had their starters out there. Like it's like they were a little banged up, but Mar- Marcus Peters was back and it was his first game back. But Marlon Humphrey, full-time player in that game. Marcus Williams, full-time player in that game. Chuck Clark, full-time player in that game. Like, do we you can't we can't it's not it wasn't the raven situation at the tail end of last year like the dolphins were shredding like this was still like these were actionable you know starting caliber defensive backs in the nfl yeah and i think it's a lot of that when you're going back and watching that game a lot of it for the ravens and we're not i don't think we're gonna dive into that the the ravens game this week too much but it was a lot of just communication right Mm -hmm. they're asking their defensive backs to do a lot of things and i think we saw you know, Kyle Hamilton struggled with that a little bit. You know, one of those long plays like him and uh, Marcus Williams both thought they had the same responsibilities. So they're both covering the guy. And that was the the Waddle touchdown where he was uh, left one-on-one uh, with the rookie quarter. Um, you know, there were, there were a couple of pieces like that. And this is one of those things, kind of what we talked about with the, the Vikings offense in that first game, they are, this is an offense that is going to make you know your coverage responsibilities and have good communication. Uh, And if you don't have that, they're going to take advantage of that. So there are going to be blown coverages. Like that's the point, like that's what they are trying to do. So I think we'll kind of see that. And we saw that happen against the Ravens. If, if you don't have that communication down and there's a little bit, and like you said, there's, there's so much that these defenses are trying to do with this pre-snap and post-snap, um, you know, rotations and trying to, you know, change the look uh, for the offenses. It's going to put defenses in a very tough position. If that the communication and responsibility is not a hundred percent, that's like exactly what we talked about last week. The Eagles did a great job of that against the Vikings in week two. Um, but I think we're going to continue to see these offenses really stress so much of that. And that's, that's where the dolphins are with the scheme that they're doing right now with the, the speed that they have between those two receivers. It's just, it, it, it's going to put defenses in a tough place. So there are going to be blown coverages and that's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a good lead-in to what happened to uh, Minnesota on Monday night. Because, <laughs> you know, we went from one game where they looked like they had everything. We, we were seeing their praises. Kevin O'Connell yep. couldn't have a better first start. You know, he's freeing Justin Jefferson. I mean, just wide open, just completely naked on all these plays. And then on Monday night, it was kind of like a, a reversion up to what we would – like it was just trying to force the ball to Justin Jefferson. And not, you know, there was like almost no offensive structure on Monday night. And obviously Cousins played bad, but like, you know, you have a missed touchdown early in that game with Irv Smith. But a lot of these interceptions were him just jamming the ball to Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And you know, Jefferson came out and said he was responsible for uh, the one where he, he went behind you know, cut inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, that's one of those things. But it, you're right. It wasn't like as wide open. And the Eagles were we had that question right especially after week one like um you know the vikings ran through the packers uh quarters defense uh, and the 
uh, the Viking or the Eagles were running uh, quarters at the second highest rate behind, or actually the highest rate just above the Packers in week one. But in week two against the Vikings, they actually shifted a lot more to like quarter, quarter half and played a lot more uh, cover six. So looking at it here, they uh, were uh, 37% uh, quarters in week one. Uh, they did not run any snaps. Or, or sorry, they went down to 20.3% quarters in week two. They ran no cover six, uh, so quarter, quarter, half in week one. They went up to 20.3% uh, in week two. So they kind of figured out how to use some of that back end of the secondary to kind of uh, put a little more of a uh, of a roof on it. And they were able to um, kind of use some of that those coverage responsibilities uh, and having that, I think that, that quarter, quarter, half and, uh, and then allowing, I think that, that other corner to play more, a little more on Jefferson. I think like that really shifted what they do. And I think that's one of the good things we can see for this defense. I think we had maybe some questions about, with the defensive structure and if they would like just kind of sit in quarters and, and do what they wanted to do kind of like they did last year where they wanted to do all these cool things, but didn't really have the guys to do it. Um, and then in week one, they have given up a, a lot of big plays to the lions and you kind of had some questions about that, but I think they adapted really well. Um, you know, if they, they're changing some of that, that coverage structure. So I think if they're going to be able to, you know, do that from, from week to week, I think that that's going to be a real big plus for the Eagles. Yeah, and then you you talk about what they will do on the other side of the ball too. I mean, you wrote about Jalen Hurts this week, and you know Jalen Hurts had the he you know he completed eighty percent of his passes. He had thirty one attempts, and he had almost eleven yards per attempt. There were just three such games last year where a quarterback completed eighty percent of his passes on thirty or more attempts and threw for over ten yards per pass attempt. I mean, everything was working, and we talked about it coming into this season. Like, if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to make that jump in structure like that's where this team like has that other that that ceiling that a lot of people were kind of hopeful like when they were picking him to potentially represent the nfc in the super bowl uh that's the ceiling they can get to if he's going to play at that level yeah and it's all in structure right now and you know we spent so much time talking about the the eagles offense which under jalen hurts was throws deep outside the numbers and like yeah. those throws those throws aren't in the offense through two weeks like we'll see some of that um and obviously the the big throw he did have to to quest Watkins was in the middle of the field uh shout out it it's a sharp angles touchdown when when quest Watkins yes. gets, gets a deep <laughs> touchdown in prime time um so like those throws are going to be available but they're not forcing the ball deep down outside the numbers uh in this game at all i think like less than five percent of jalen hurts passes right now are going 20 or more air yards and like obviously that's not going to sustain right last year uh tua and daniel jones had the lowest rate among starting quarterbacks and that was like 7.5 percent like they're they're going to unleash the deep ball uh, a little bit but what they're doing is there's they're so much better at quick game and there there was no quick game in the eagles offense uh last year so it's about like 64% of, of, um, of Hertz dropbacks right now are within two and a half seconds. And they're just kind of killing that. And they're, they're figuring out how to create some space in the middle of the field also. Um, so uh, they're doing that with, you know, Devontae Smith with AJ Brown. Um, you know, when you look at you know, what they're doing in the middle of the field, right. It's not just like, he's not 
throwing middle of the field like significantly more. Uh, but what it is is those middle of the field throws now are happening, you know, 10 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. There's intermediate middle of the field throws, uh, which literally were not in the offense the last year. I, I posted in the Jalen Hurts article I had, I had, a, had, there's a heat map of where Jalen Hurts' middle of the field throw, and there were like no throws more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage uh, between the numbers. And that's where a bunch of them are right now. And those aren't all going to AJ Brown either. Um, AJ Brown does have like a 41% target share on, uh, Hertz's throws in the middle of the field. Um, but the, the deeper throws, some of them are going to Devonta Smith. Some of them are going to Dallas Goddard. There's just so many more options uh, in this offense right now. And I think the Eagles are pressing so many buttons where they're able to uh, take all of those different uh, formations and they're able to stress the spacing so much more too. Um, and I think Hertz is just completely taking advantage of that. He's you know thinking quickly, processing quickly. That ball is getting out. Uh, and they're able to just you know, r- really do like a really good job, um, just kind of all around. And and if Hertz can continue to develop like this, that's you know a really really big part uh, for this offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, this is what we've all been waiting for. This is what we've all talked about all offseason. This the, the the ceiling this team has, and they've kind of shown it. You know, both weeks, even week one when they had their ups and downs, like they were up three three scores that entire game. Like that, the final score of that game doesn't dictate nearly, you know, how non close it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's you know one of those things where they're going to be able, and if they're in that situation where they do get out to a lead like this is a team that's going to be able to run the ball mm-hmm. um you know they've kind of figured that out they have the the rotation of backs and you know, Jalen Hurts still also leads the league in for quarterbacks and rushing attempts and rushing yards right so it's not just like he's taking this role as a pocket passer um and the the run the quarterback run game is completely gone that's not the case either like that's still really strong um so they just have so many ways to win right now and i think that they're just they're pulling all the right levers um they're they're pressing all the right buttons here and like against a washington defense this week that if we want to talk about defensive communication um (laughs) i don't think anyone on that defense like talks to each other like they they look terrible through two weeks and that was this was a thing we saw last yep. year and the fact that it hasn't been fixed um heading into this game uh that's going to be a real big problem and like they just they don't have the guys uh, on the defense that are going to be good enough especially if you don't have the pass rush right now like chase young's still out um you know they're they're not getting pressure at, at a high enough rate to make offenses have to force anything uh, and that coverage on the back end is just like there's blown coverages all over the place uh and if you're going against you know, smith and brown and and hertz is making these really, really good um decisions now like, i i don't see how washington can cover anybody no it's it's been the same things issues that we saw all last year the, the cool thing about washington though it, you know at least for my neck of the woods is like they're actually capable of scoring points now because they actually you know are able to get some of this talent yeah do you want to talk field. about the washington offense because that's it's been fun yeah i know it has i mean well the one thing that you know bringing wentz into this 
team was over Taylor Heineke was, you know, the downfield passing element. And you get a guy like Jahan Dotson, uh, you know, another kind of guy that we like, you know, he's not as, as deep in the bag as Quez Watkins, so we can't fully claim him. Uh, he's a first round draft pick. Uh, and then you get in Curtis Samuel back on the field. And the, the way they've used Curtis Samuel these first two weeks was how we saw Curtis Samuel, you know, at his, at his apex, you know, it was, this is why he got that money, you know, in free agency. The last time Curtis Samuel played a full season, he led all wide receivers in the NFL in touches. We're starting to see that usage i mean he's he both of his touchdowns are are set up you know design plays for him you know you get the wheel last week and then play at the goal line against the jaguars um yeah no they've got they've got talent on the offensive side of the ball and it's made for some two really fun games to open i between them and the lions they're like the two teams i'm kind of i you know focus on every week like who are they playing this week like because could this game be fun like yeah this this might be the shootout game yeah, I mean that's what we got, you know, last week. Uh, you got when you got the two of them playing each other. Yeah, so like Scott Turner has always been a guy who's you know done some fun stuff. Just kind of whether the personnel has been there or whether the quarterback play has been there, and that, that's still up and down this year. But I think you look at like Jahan Dotson is the like he's one the deep guy, and two like when they're in the red zone, like they're just they they trust him already. Um, and that's really cool to see because he's just like he's a we talked about it throughout the the offseason when we kind of like he's a small guy but has this huge catch radius and he's just mm-hmm. one of those guys that um he's in the the bucket of receivers who've just played with crappy quarterbacks like his entire career like you, you don't you don't go to Penn State over the past couple of years and like <laughs> not excel at adjusting to uh inaccurate passes um so he has this crazy wide catch radius like that's really helped him i'm in the red zone it's really good body control i mean like you said the the curtis sample usage is crazy right now a 3.3 yard a dot um which like he's you know getting all these passes behind the line of scrimmage he's using all all of this stuff in the short area of the field 30 percent of his passes at or behind the line of scrimmage a 50 percent from one to ten air yards so like they are using that that short area and the kind of explosive plays and then you have uh, Dotson and Terry McCord uh, down the field like that's a very fun three receiver set and they're using 11 personnel in one of the higher rates uh, in the league so this is just an offense that as long as Carson Wentz can limit the the Wentzian throws that he has, and he had a couple in Week One. He had less. <laughs> You're going to get a few, but like we said like even with Josh Allen, like Josh Josh Allen still does that a couple times a game. Like the old Josh Allen, like you still get a few. Uh, yeah, those. exactly. And, you, and you're going to get those at once, like yeah. And so, <laughs> so that that's kind of the thing, and, and we've kind of talked about how that is really a thing for these quarterbacks and these offenses right now. And we talked about it a little bit in the beginning with the bills, like how much of a margin of error is the good quarterbacking going to give you before when there's some, some bad throws in there. And like we talked about it all last year with Matthew Stafford, right? There were still some pretty bad Matthew Stafford decisions uh, and some bad Matthew Stafford throws, but the high of the offense was so good that you could get away with that because you were able to throw yourself out of it uh, throughout the game and, and throughout the season. You still have that with Josh Dallin uh, a little bit. Carson Wentz, Is that high going to be there enough? And you know, I think we've seen there are some some good in in what we've seen so far. Um, and it's a really well schemed passing offense. Uh, but is it going to be good enough to 
get them over the hump with some of these, you know, Wentzian throws that, that he does still have. And I think that that's going to be the question for as long as, you know, Carson Wentz uh, is a quarterback. But right now, I think the, the highs are pretty good. Uh, this Washington offense has been, think, you know, top 10 uh, in EPA per play uh, over the first two games. So, like, they're, they're figuring it out. Um, you know, this will be a better good. test for yes. to see because, you know, you open Jaguars, Lions, like, Right. And those are, you know, the Jaguars defense is a uh, defense playing uh, pretty well uh, right now. Um, like I said, Lions, again, they one of those defenses that doing things that we like, but not necessarily has the guys to uh, the hold up uh, at, at the same time. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, but what we've seen from this Eagles defense, uh, I think a lot of fun. I think they're, they're figuring out the defensive line. Uh, we got more Jordan Davis snaps. And I think like when you have that in the middle of the defensive line, that kind of opens everybody else up. I think we saw the, the secondary, they're figuring out you know, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They had a, obviously a great game, uh, both of them against uh, Minnesota. So yeah, this is like, I didn't expect Eagles and, you know, commanders to be a game i was you know very excited to watch but i just think from especially on the offensive side of the ball when, when each of these offenses are, are on the field i'm not very excited to watch the washington defense um but i think from from going from that side of what both of these offenses can do and this makes it a very interesting game yeah listen they ran that uh you're a big fan of tight end leak they ran the leak with uh curtis samuel last week for like a 30 yard game yeah, and they're they're doing fun things. So it's just you know how long can they they stop the the bad, and how much good can they have to to counteract that? I think is is going to be the the story of of Washington's season uh, as we go. So from two offenses that have been pretty fun to two offenses that have not particularly been fun, and this might be like, is this the saddest like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers? A game that that we're going to see. I think you that when you sent me the the worksheet for for this game, I think like that's what you said. Like it's, it's not fun <laughs> that like this is you know the least excited we could be for a, a Brady Rogers matchup. Yeah, I mean it's got one of the lowest game totals of the week. It's the lowest implied game total the Packers have had with Rogers as starter since Week One of 2014. That's when like the Legion of Boom was at, like their apex. Uh, and they never gave up any points. And then this is the lowest implied total the Bucks have had with Brady as their starting quarterback. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, with, the, with everything we have going on, I mean, the Packers right now are definitely in this transition stage of trying to figure out what they have in their wide receiver room. I mean, after Al Lazard, they rotated uh, basically every other, every guy into the lineup. They're really relying on just short throws. Aaron Rodgers has the highest rate of throws at behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, right now and then the Bucks just it's just been they've been you know they've had a really hot run these last two years where they've been one of the least injured teams in the NFL and that's a big part of what goes into any NFL every NFL season is how healthy can you be throughout the year and the Bucks have really come out of the gates and just been just they've just been wounded the entire time like it looks like they might get Donovan Smith back which which is a positive we don't know what receivers are going to dress in this game at this point um because you've seen like even last week you play a good team like the saints i mean you just have no weaponry to move the football uh the offensive line's banged up and when they play these good defenses because the packers still despite what happened to to them against justin jefferson week one they've got plenty of talent to combat these guys that are going to be dressing for the bucks this week yeah absolutely and it just 
again, like I said, it's, it's hard to talk about what this offense is going to look like when you don't know who's even going to be on the field. Like we were after week one, we were talking about Julio Jones might be back. Uh, the running jet sweeps for him. He looks healthy. And then, like, <laughs> and then he doesn't play. Uh, the full Julio so, experience. Yeah. So I, <laughs> who knows? I, I mean, when, when you're signing Cole Beasley uh, and he could like potentially be on the field uh, for the game, like the week you sign him is probably not the greatest look, even though like Cole Beasley is the, small white slot receiver that you know brady has oh, worked with like his entire career so maybe that that will help um but yeah and it's just the the tampa bay offense like they're still trying right like there's the some deep shots to brashad perriman which are, are still happening right brady's still getting the ball out quickly still throwing the ball deep so they're they're trying to do the brady thing they're you know running more than they probably should which has kind of been a, a Tampa Bay thing on early downs to pretty much yeah. the entire Brady uh, tenure also. Um, but I think that that was probably a little bit more of protection as in we, we don't have anyone to throw to in, in week two. So yeah, especially with the once Evans was out of the game. So I think we'll, we'll see some interesting things there um, on the other side of the ball. Like one of the reasons I'm not too panicked about Tampa Bay as a whole because this defense is playing like really well. Um, you know, I think we saw it against the, I'm not totally sure what the saints were doing. Like Jameis was just like dropping back and just launching it and ha- with no chance of any of these being completions. Right? I think you, we, like, I think you, if you looked at fantasy football and fantasy football, Twitter at all, you saw like the 330 air yards that Chris Olave had. We call um, them prairie yards. Those ones yeah, are but like none yards. of those were going to be receptions. Um, you know, he, he got that one at the end of the game, but like there was a point where in the game where Olave had like a 24 yard a dot and had like three catches for 30 yards. Um, so it's just it, this. I don't. I'm. I don't not sure what the Saints were doing on offense, but I think when you look at when the Buccaneers were able to confuse them, like this isn't a team that's blitzing at as high of a rate as they were in the past. They had one of the highest blitz rates of last year. They're still at you know twenty four point seven percent for True Media, and that's twelfth. So it's still you know top half of the league, but it's not nearly what they were doing. Um, with Todd Bowles like last year and the year before, uh, but they're still getting pressure on a, a third of uh, opponent dropbacks, which is eighth. Uh, so they're still figuring some things out. I highlighted a play in, in first and 10 uh, where they forced Jameis to throw you know, one of those uh, interceptions to uh, Jamel Dean. And they have uh, your try on Choyinka, uh on the, the inside of uh, one of their defensive tackles. And then they're like, they have that, pre-snap look and then they're also running a stunt with Trianka. uh it's uh, it's they're just they're figuring out things to do you know, without blitzing as much and they had a couple plays where like Devin White is delayed blitzing uh so that like changes the look too so they're, they're doing a lot of fun things on defense and I think they that's still where the talent is that defense has been relatively healthy uh for the most part um and so I think like that's going to give Green Bay some some problems. Although when you look at it, like Green Bay is, I think, figuring out their their pony personnel a little bit more uh, with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on the field at the same time. We saw it work on the in the red zone where I thought like if that's where they were going to heavily use that, like that's where it would be. And I think we saw the the jet sweep pass to um, Aaron Jones that went for the touchdown. 
Um, so I think they're, they're, I still, they're, they're figuring it out. And I think like both of these offenses are just kind of trying to figure out what they are right now, especially with, with the personnel that they have. Yeah. The, the Packers right now through two games look like they are completely dependent on like big Aaron Jones plays. Cause the only time they really moved the football a lot against Minnesota was when he touched the football too. Yeah. Uh, so it's a tough it, place to live. It is. Yeah. And you know, Aaron Jones is an excellent football player, but like, it's a very tough spot through two weeks when you look at like the only times they've really kind of like sustained like stuff is when he's just popping huge plays. Uh, so yeah, this isn't the kind of team that's going to give up like big plays to running backs either. The Bucks. I mean, uh, now Akeem Hicks is out, so maybe they're going to run the football a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a tough way to live for the Packers. I mean, they, they need some to figure out what's going on with this receiver room. I would love to see them play just Romeo Dubs more. Just let him play at this point. Yeah. Like, just let him play. Cause he's, when he's played and they've actually thrown the football to him, he, he's looked apart all the way going back to the preseason to the first two weeks this year, but they're trying to figure out what they've got here. And they're rotating all these guys in with Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson. I mean, just let them play, try to try to find something here that, that sticks because you have to be able to generate big plays. And that's something that we haven't seen two weeks in outside of Aaron Jones plays where he's getting stuff after the catch. Uh, and that's just a really hard way to, to, to sustain in the NFL, even with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. We know Rodgers didn't really turn the ball over. Yeah, and that's that's one of those things, right? He's not going to be putting you know, passes in in dangerous spots. He's not going to force it to these wide receivers. And the only way you're going to get, uh, you know, the chemistry is is if these guys are on the field. So yeah, like you said, like these these young guys probably you know should be playing uh, a little more. You can't also be you know running the offense through whatever version of Randall Cobb uh, you have <laughs> at this point. No, um, no, no. Yeah, the Bucks though, big picture. I think you know they're for them to have two wins right now gone through what they went through. And if they can pull this out against a team that they're probably going to compete with for the number one seed in the NFC, like we know Godwin's come back. We know Evans, obviously he's suspended. He's come back. You know, they're going to get these guys. They're going to get guys back. Yeah. And then if, if the offense, however long this lasts can just kind of skate by for kind of a, a lack of a better term if they can just survive uh while they're figuring this out i think that the defense is going to be good enough to uh, keep them in games so they don't have to you know they're not going to have to be winning shootouts uh in a way like some other teams uh, might have to be if they're you know dealing with the injuries that they are so um i think it, real excited to see like what this defense is going to do uh, against rogers because like rogers is a don't blitz quarterback and like that could have been a problem for tampa bay when like all they did was blitz but now since they've kind of figured some things out without that uh, i think it'll, it'll be a little uh interesting matchup there on that side of the field so uh some some fun games this week uh we're going to uh, keep this the pod relatively short uh this week just just the three games uh we'll get deeper into some of the other games that, uh next week and if you want to get into all of the games we have rich's worksheet uh, on sharpfootballanalysis.com uh, where he is diving into every game, every fantasy relevant player. Um, yeah, again, if you're not reading that, I say this every week, but if you're not reading that, not totally sure uh, what you're doing, preparing for uh, your fantasy week or just the, the week in general. So you can find that on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.